You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Here in the house at CR's Northern Command Studios, cutting through that hot air. Boy, guys, you know, I'd love to be all chirpy with you. I'd love to tell you great news, or I could tell you the truth. You know, President Trump always talked about, on the campaign trail at least, how politicians are all talk and no action. Judge me by my actions, not my rhetoric. The setting is Bethlehem, Israel. Trump gets up there at a press conference and hearing about the news from Manchester with yet another homegrown Islamic jihad on Western soil from immigrant parents that we should never, that the British should never have let in, radicalized by the Muslim Brotherhood mosques, mosques, Saudi funded type of venues that we should never allow to be funded. He he says that, man, these guys are a bunch of evil losers. And everyone's in an uproar. You know, the left's making fun out of it. The right's defending it. This is refreshing. We have a president that says evil losers. That's where I come in and say, as we say in our intro music, can cut through the hot air. That, that's lovely. I'm, I'm glad he recognizes they're evil losers. Here's the problem. When Trump made that comment, he was standing next to the biggest evil loser in the world, embracing him, Mahmoud Abbas, in Bethlehem. The PLO leadership that is the catalyst for modern-day jihad. You know, jihad's been around since, since Muhammad, but, I mean, this... It, Arafat was the catalyst. Abbas was his deputy. He planned terrorism with him, dating all the way back to the Munich uh, massacre. And he's sitting and meeting with him, like he met with Erdogan, like he met with the Saudis and sold us out to the Saudis, sold us out to Erdogan. Look at the actions, the policy outcomes, not the rhetoric. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Be taken in by the rhetoric? We already understand that this is a man whose rhetoric never matches up with the outcomes because he doesn't understand the issues. Just like he says, I hate Obamacare, but I love Canada's health care. He doesn't get the mutual exclusivity. So it's lost on him that the PLO, they are the catalyst for suicide bombings, particularly with shrapnel, by, by the way, like we saw in Manchester. So you're complaining about jihad in your own countries in the West while you are kowtowing to the demands of the epicenter of jihad. By the way, on the 50th anniversary of Israel liberating Judea and Samaria, nonetheless, it's the same thing. You know, with, with Saudi Arabia, everyone asked me, Daniel, Daniel, didn't you like his speech in Saudi Arabia? I'm like, well... The entire premise of your question is wrong. The speech is not the focus. 
What do you don't ask me what I think of the speech? What do you think of his entire trip in totality? The $360 billion arms deal in totality, the direction of the administration in totality, the comments of McMaster, Tillerson, Powell, Cohn, Jared, Ivanka in totality. And it's not just about selling these guys' arms, which is bad enough. It's that we're going to now get ensnared in this Yemeni civil war. It's that now they're going to, in turn, and I'm glad Rush at least quoted me and you know brought this out, this point out today, where he said, uh, you know, they're going to be funding infrastructure projects in America. You know what that means? Civilization jihad, economic jihad. That is the source of what we're all pulling our hair about, out about o- over with regards to the Manchester terror attack and all these terror attacks. It comes from things like this, from the Saudi funding. The problem's not ISIS. ISIS has been around for three years. <laughs> this this problem is at least, I mean, it's been around for a while, but you know, definitely in its most current iteration, at least since the 90s, really before. The problem is A, immigration, which, which we're going to get to, all the betrayals on immigration. We have a lot of articles out on this. We're going to have more. But then B, once we have all these people in the country that are almost impossible to assimilate, what radicalizes them? What So to the extent ISIS is a problem, they're halfway around the world, the, the world in Raqqa. To the extent they're a problem or Al-Qaeda is a problem, it's their propaganda, the caliphate, the you know, riling people up. But so what? So you put out a YouTube, so what do you mean? I mean, this guy was born in Great Britain. His parents were saved by by the West as refugees. I mean, I mean, l- l- let me get this straight. L- let me just play dumb for a minute. So you're talking about people that either came here when they were young, were born here, their parents were immigrants, they've lived their whole life in America, not living, having to live in the hellhole of, of these Islamic civil wars. They should love this country. They should be grateful to it, like past refugees were of different religions and ethnicities. So what, you mean to tell me ISIS puts out a bunch of videos and these guys go and attack us on our soil? It's the Saudi, Turkish, and Muslim Brotherhood subversion agenda on our soil. They're the boots on the ground. They're the ones that prep the ground and radicalize these people over the years and fund the mosques, fund their private school curriculum, fund their community centers, their textbooks, their religious books. That makes them receptive. That gives resonance to the propaganda put out by whatever, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, and ISIS. It's not about the terrorism as a tactic. That's a tool. It's the Islamic supremacism mindset that's the problem. And that is rooted in the Palestinians. That is rooted in the Saudis. So we're going to send our boys halfway around the world. And I'm going to touch on this more on my Memorial Day manifesto coming out next week. We send them halfway around the world to die in these untenable Islamic civil wars in Somalia, in Yemen, in, in, in Iraq, in Syria, and Afghanistan. Because maybe there's some notional benefit somehow that will be safer. But then we bring the problem to our shores through immigration and through allowing Saudi Muslim Brotherhood and Turkish funding of the supremacist agenda. And now we cut a deal that will enable them to spread their poison even more and suck us more into this subversion. 
to, and into this uh, civil war. And you want me to talk about a speech? Rhetoric? When the actions stand in 100% con- contrast? When Tillerson's out there trashing Israel left and right? Oh, Tel Aviv, the home of Judaism, refuses to mention the word Jerusalem. He's now demanding that Israel give back part of northern Samaria. That, that's, that's what he's thinking about. This, I mean, you want to talk about willful blindness. Let me give you a tweet that epitomizes this administration, that it just, just blows everything away. And, and, and here's the deal. This is not the deep state. This is the shallow state. This is the real shallow state. These are the Trump appointees. This is the Secretary of State. It's not some paper pusher, you know, in some deep in some State Department agency. This is the number one foreign policy man. And our people just don't want to hear about it. So again, I just I don't know, but but, but oh, I'm sorry. So so what did this man say? He said in, in this press conference in, in uh, was it in Belgium, the G8, or no, I think it was in the Vatican, we solve the Israeli-Palestinian peace dilemma, then we start solving a lot of peace throughout the Middle East. There you go. That is the common core. That is the global warming of foreign policy. And by the way, um, you know Tillerson has been a long-standing, passionate supporter of common core. He wrote op-eds in the Wall Street Journal about it. Supports glo- glo- the global warming agenda. This is it. This is the crux of the willful blindness. We will never in the West fully heal ourselves from this willful blindness, this illness, refusing to understand Islamic supremacism, the source of the problem, and therefore what to do about it. If we continue to glorify the catalysts and inventors of modern day Islamic supremacism, the PLO. So he thinks you just take on Israel's 50th anniversary of um, liberating Judea and Samaria from Jordanian occupation, not Palestinians. There was no such thing. Jordanian occupation that no no country in the world recognized, by the way. And we create a 20, what is it, a 23rd Arab state, um, second Palestinian state, the first being Jordan. And boom. Terror, you know, Islamic terror is over. Jihad's over. Hey, boys, we're calling off the jihad. We got our Palestinian state. This is the stuff we all yelled about three, four, I mean, four or five months ago in the Obama administration. And I cannot find another soul except for Mark Levin, of course, Steve Dace, our buddies here at CR, CRTV. I can't find anyone even talking about this. I, I, I can't I can't relate to this. And the hits keep coming and coming. You know, Trump's budget. I praised it. But again, look at what he actually does, what matters, not what doesn't matter. The long-term aspirations of reforming welfare, you know that's not gonna happen. They're not gonna push for that. But you know what does matter? The current policy issues expressed in that budget blueprint. Did you know that in this budget, they are funding refugee resettlement 
but barely funding the border fence. It will only be enough for somewhere between 30 and 60 miles. They need about 700. Are you kidding me? So they caved on the first budget a couple of weeks ago. Said, oh, no, don't worry. The, the, the next budget will get it. The significance of that is, yeah, we understand Congress often ignores the president's budget. But you sure as heck aren't going to get more than you asked for in your, your own blueprint. So you're not going to get less refugee funding or more border fence funding than what's in your own blueprint. It was so bad. Those parasitic groups, you know, the Volags, the um, eight or so uh, refugee resettlement contractors that basically take tax- taxpayer money to sell out our country, transform our society and endanger all of us through Islamic resettlement, they put out emails and saying and declared victory. We got what we want, folks. This is great. Look at the actual policy enactments. Look at the actions. Don't look at the rhetoric and the optics and the flag waving. I hate to repeat myself, but I mean, the theme plays out over and over again. You know, same thing with Iran. Oh, I'm going to be tough on Iran. That's why I'm kissing up to the Saudis. Oh, but when you're dealing directly with Iran, you recertify the Iran deal. I mean, and by the way, whatever happened to that, didn't we all yell as a movement, as a party, that it was a treaty and needed Senate ratification and it is no force of law? Why didn't Trump simply submit it to the Senate and say, look, if you want it, you have to ratify, otherwise it's null and void? Whatever happened to that? I guess the same thing that happened to getting out of the Paris Climate Treaty. He's remaining in it. These are very big problems, and they're gratuitous problems. Because you don't have to do this. It doesn't cost you. You know what's interesting? And I'm losing my voice here. I apologize. I'm just talking so much to a lot of people. I was uh, on a lot of radio shows. And it was ironic because a lot of people were were ticked off about the budget. They didn't like the budget, but they somehow thought the Saudi trip was great because they just focused on the speech. And I came on the show and I was like, the opposite. Like, no, the budget's great. It's just he's not going to fight for it. So it's kind of meaningless. But yeah, I I love the budget. I'll take any of it. And what I was trying to say is that everyone accuses me of being the the purist. No one's good enough for you. And everything's a problem. And I'll take anything. You know, on a scale from one to ten, yeah, I'd say the the budget's a, a it's an eight. I'll take an I'll, I'll take a five. I'll take a four even. But we're what we're gonna get is a zero. I understand. And when I mean it's an eight, you be Daniel. What do you mean it barely balances even after ten years, and that's only with budget gimmicks? I understand that. I understand. I don't have unrealistic expectations. I know you're not gonna tackle this stuff. You know, overnight, no president could do that. But the foreign policy stuff, you can. You don't have to promote the PLO. right? That's not an inveterate constituency like welfare in this country. That's, that's not a tough issue. The people are with you. The Saudis? Are you kidding? If there's ever a winning issue that's 100-0 in this country, everyone hates the Saudis. They might love their welfare, but they don't like the Saudis. Kissing up to Erdogan, really? None of this has to be done. Not moving the embassy at the behest of the Saudis? The Iran deal? Really? Refugee resettlement? And by the way, 
Trump called, you know, you know that the Obama administration had this deal to bring in the rejects of Australia. Australia had a bunch of um, asylees that came on shore and they rounded them up and sent them to an offshore detention center. And uh, they said, we don't want them. And Obama's like, we'll take them. And Trump said it was a dumb idea. Well, now the Trump administration is starting to take them in. Where's the outrage? Where is the outrage? You know, and, and again, a lot of the good things he did were in the first few weeks when Bannon and the other guys had more control. They're sidelined now. And I, and I tell people this. You know, there's a lot of people online that attack me, and, and I know they're the types that – the type of Trump supporters that were you know into people like Steve Bannon. And what I don't understand is you're not doing him any favors by remaining silent. <laughs> right? If he's fighting these battles, and he is. You know, their news articles came out with the Jerusalem embassy. It's Bannon versus Tillerson, Mattis, McMaster on getting more involved in Afghanistan and these other civil wars. And it's same same trio versus Bannon. So if you want to give him air cover, you have the entire conservative movement yelp and, and, and punch Trump in the face and say, you're not listening to us. And that way, Bannon could say, look, you see, I told you. You're not doing him any favors by remaining silent. If we don't advocate for our views, who will? Stop treating him with kid gloves. You know, I thought I thought after the Bush years, we've grown up. You know, at the Tea Party, we grew up as a movement where we started recognizing that, you know, we have to call out our own party and have a consistent conservative party before we even take on the Democrats. That we're not going to reflexively just be on board with Bush like we were for the first six years and didn't say anything. thought we were beyond that. I guess not. I guess everyone's going to always play this blue versus red scam game. I mean, I mean, but I've never seen it in such perfidious Orwellian fashion. I mean, the very things that Obama did just a couple months ago, we're, we're, we're suddenly okay with. We're just focusing on every other distraction, every stupid distraction you could think of. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But I want to discuss in the remainder of the time here what we actually can focus on, what we should be doing. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, Daniel, you're preaching to the choir. You're always negative. You're always complaining. What should we do? And, and number one, I, I don't usually like to talk about myself, but I know we have a lot of new listeners here the last couple of months. And for those of you not familiar with me, I'm not just a columnist or a talker. I actually get on the field and play. I spend a lot of time away from my family that I don't need to. I could collect my paycheck and just writing and people say, wow, Daniel, that's a really incisive article. That's great. No, I get on the playing field. I was the one who recruited Matt Bevin to run against Mitch McConnell and many other people. I was involved in getting Dave Brad elected. I, I, I try to speak with members, speak with people in the administration, speak with people Say, here's a good idea. Here's good messaging. Here's what we should be doing. Let me know how I could help. And by the way, you know, a lot of people who do what I do, they have consulting firms, LLCs, S-Corps, and they use them to, uh, they, they, they take money. I would never do that. So, I mean, I'm doing everything I can do, but I'm just one person. Maybe some of you think I have more power than I do or more influence. I'm not Rush Limbaugh, but that's the point. You know, I, I send out my articles to everyone I can and, talk radio and to get around and that's the thing if people like rush and i know he did mention me this week uh, on the saudi thing 
But if people like that with more influence would do what I'm doing, things would change. Then Trump would feel the pressure. That's why I'm actually a little bit optimistic because I don't think it has to be this way. But the best I can do is point out that path, point out what's wrong that other people aren't focusing on. And that's the thing. Let me give you an analogy to explain what we're marred in right now and what we should be doing. And the analogy I'm going to give you, unlike my typical funky sports analogies, I'm going to give you just a recap of what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast in a little bit more detail about the foreign policy and terrorism and immigration and the Manchester attack, how backwards our political system is, our military leadership and what they're doing and how on some sort of metaphorical level, that's the equivalent of what conservatives and conservative media is doing for their purposes. So, you know, we have the problem right now where we're basically getting involved in every Islamic civil war. And this ties into the Saudi deal because they're they're getting us sucked into Yemen. What's going on in Yemen? Well, you got the Iranian Houthis fighting Al-Qaeda. So we, we get sucked in there and we're fighting the Iranian Houthis. But we're also fighting Al-Qaeda, which is fighting the Houthis. And then we're backing the Hadi government, which is backed by the Saudis. But the Hadi government also has ties to the kingpins of Al-Qaeda and Arabian Peninsula. I hope your head's not hurting by now. So, you know, you remember Ryan Owens, that Navy SEAL that was killed in the raid on Al-Qaeda? That kingpin we we're going after had ties to the Hadi government that we are simultaneously supporting while doing raids against Al-Qaeda. Those, those are the type of things we're being sucked into. Under some no, you know, parsimonious notion that it's going to help our national security. Go figure that out. But then at the same time, we ignore the, the, the prima facie threat on immigration, on the Muslim Brotherhood, and, and yes, this very deal we're making with the Saudis to supposedly fight terror, terror when, when really they're just sucking us into their vortex of no good player. It's their poison that's being spread on our soil. That is the problem. That is the core problem. So I feel the same way with the conservative movement. That's what we're like. Well, what the entire conservative media now is the equivalent of getting sucked into the Yemeni civil war. Where the media and the Democrats are the Houthis. You know, the Republican establishment's Al-Qaeda. Trump's the Hadi government. There, there's no good player here. It's all a problem. You know, it's funny, you're seeing this a lot. The CBO came out with their score of the new GOP healthcare bill, which is kind of the same thing as the old one. And... You know, CBO, of course, they get they're, they're, it's a joke. They get Obamacare wrong. Obamacare has blown up in front of our eyes. There's no insurers left. And they're like, oh, no, it's solvent. But if you do this bill, we're going to blow up. Well, I agree that the GOP bill will blow up the health care system. Not because it's free market, because it keeps Obamacare. And Obamacare is blowing up the health care system. So they're kind of right for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> but... They're all wrong. I can't defend the GOP healthcare bill, even though the CBO is also indefensible. We need to disentangle ourselves and just affirmatively stand for what we believe in. 
But we're, we're focusing on all this stuff, all this rhetoric, all this hot air. Oh, Trump said this. The media said this. Republicans did this. They all suck. I mean, Republicans don't want to repeal Obamacare. They love Obamacare. They're, they're voting on, on naming post offices. They've literally spent the first four months of controlling all three branches doing nothing other than passing a Democrat budget. They don't stand for our views. They don't stand for anything. So I'm not going to sit and get involved in the media versus Trump, media versus Republicans, Republican versus Democrats, when honestly they're all al-Qaeda versus the, the Iranians. I'm not saying literally. I'm giving an analogy here. Um, there, there's, no, there's no good outcome for us. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm not so into defending Trump from the media on some of these scandals when he – and not not just him. I mean his administration, the Republicans certainly at large are just as bad – are promoting Obama's policies, the policy outcomes. I don't care about the rhetoric. I, I'm looking at the policy outcomes. That's what we need to focus on. The same way we need to focus on when it comes to counterterrorism and homeland security, focus on your homeland problems, bringing the problem into your own house rather than going halfway around the world trying to find some sort of outcome in something that doesn't benefit us and where all the players are bad. Disentangle ourselves from it. And again, I mean, until enough people say what I'm saying, you're not going to have Republicans do what we want to do. But at least what we could do here is lay out what we should do. I have an article out today explaining you know, how Trump could use the Manchester attack to change the narrative. He should come back the minute he comes back from Brussels, the G8, give a televised address in the Oval Office and say, you know, I tried. I tried. Libya was one of the countries on my list. This was a, a son of a Libyan refugees. This is exactly the problem I'm talking about. There's no way to vet these people. The courts are out of control. I call upon congressional leaders to pass a supplemental bill defunding refugee resettlement to take care of the courts, funding a border fence, funding visa exit entry to, to track our visas, cite a new DHS report that just came out that said we only track 1% of visa overstays. This is something that Democrats have agreed to, to pass since 1996. It's time to own up to it. I mean, these, these are very simple issues. And then get not just the deep state, get the shallow state, get Tillerson, McMaster, G- Dina Powell, all these people on the same page, and if they're not, fire them. And then go around the country, give a series of policy speeches with props and everything, Get congressional leaders in your office and say, this is what I want. Write the pieces of legislation for them, which, by the way, I understand mechanically, constitutionally, Congress writes the legislation. But but politically speaking, when you're the president and your party controls Congress, essentially it's it's run out of the White House. That's just what I, Obama did that. Bush did that. Um, so I, I, I don't need these excuses. I'm basically hearing from people Trump would be a great president if. We'd have a great conservative Republican Party and congressional leadership. Well, we know we don't. So he needs to take that leadership role. Instead, he's going along with it. But this is how you change the narrative. Give a series of policy speeches in all the states where there's no insurers. See, this is unacceptable. I had nothing to do with this. I'm trying to be the the firefighter. Everyone agrees that the high moment of Trump's presidency was a speech before Congress. 
His speeches are good. I think they connect. And for the most part, they're usually pretty much our talking points. But your action needs to follow up on that. If you believe in the budget that that your OMB put out, I didn't even hear him talk about it. I know he is overseas, but fight for it. Say, I will veto, tell McConnell and Ryan, you begin pushing every one of those 12 appropriation bills with the spirit of, of my blueprint. And if the final product doesn't include the lion's share of this, of the foundation, I will veto it. And you go around the country selling it. Give a series. Give, you know, you know, this man has been able to captivate the public and has a bully pulpit bigger than any president before. Give a weekly address from the Oval Office. The media will be forced to cover it in prime time. But, but again, not just words. Call in con- the congressional leaders. Give speeches, a f- series of follow-up speeches on it, and write the legislation and demand it. And that's the thing. I mean, no, I challenge anyone to find another website that has proposed more legislative ideas than we have. I don't want to hear this business, oh, you're just complain. Every article of mine is, here's what we should be doing. Here, you know, If you Google Daniel Horowitz, the path forward, <laughs> on a number of issues, you'll find you know, that that's what we do. But again, I can't, I can't get stuff enacted. I'm just one man. They don't listen to me. The few conservatives there, I talk with them a lot and try to coach them and whatever. But we need other people to be doing this instead of focusing on, on the equivalent of the Amania civil war in politics. Just stupidity. And, and in that vein, I want to draw your attention to two things that we're working on. That will disentangle ourselves from this whole mess and, and, and for us to independently stand for, for what's right irrespective of whether Trump goes along with this or not, or whether he's on the other side. One is Rand Paul's resolution to block the Saudi deal. I mean, that, that is a winning issue. We need to know more about this. We need to know more about the consequences of this. This is the single biggest arms deal, and everyone you know in, in Saudi Arabia and in American media is reporting that's very clear that this will get us involved in Yemen. This will enable them to fund more subversion on our soil. And this also will forge closer ties with them, not so much to fight Iran, because he's not fighting Iran. He's certifying the deal, but to stick it to Israel. That's a big part of why he's not moving the embassy. So, Rand Paul, he's using a procedure from the 1976 Arms Control Act that allows any senator to offer a privileged motion to essentially force a vote, at least after 10 days, if it doesn't come out of the Foreign Relations Committee. This is something we should be all over, asking our senators, Republican senators, do you support Rand Paul? Are are you going to co-sponsor this resolution? Another thing, and again, we're going to put out a list of bills. We already have our list of 20 Homeland Security, National Security ideas, which, I mean, any one of them would be winning. But of course, you know, Congress is, is a do-nothing Congress. They're not going to push it. But Trump's not, not pushing these ideas either. One of them is Dave Brad is reintroducing his bill from last year that would bar all foreign governments, wink, wink, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, from funding religion on our soil if they themselves don't have freedom of religion in their countries. 
keep in mind, if you're an American, uh, you have the right to fund, you know, as long as you follow local zoning codes, you could build a mosque anywhere you want. But a foreign government does not have that power or right. I mean, that's that traverses our sovereignty. That's Article 1, Article 2. Both Congress and the president could stop that. And the, 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 and this this is the front lines. I mean, this is what I don't understand is we're approaching Memorial Day. We have our troops flung out doing God knows what, falling on their swords for Islam under the guise of so-called keeping us safe when we're bringing the problem to our shores. That, that, that's the problem. All these terror attacks here in Europe – it's not a matter of ISIS coming over. ISIS was created three years ago. This problem has been since the 80s, the 90s. You know, ISIS coming over on an Air Force or a Navy and attacking us. No, it's people, it's individuals that we let in the country and that we go along with the radicalization from the Muslim leadership in, in our own countries, funded by Saudis, funded by Erdogan, funded by the Muslim Brotherhood. That could stop tomorrow, and that doesn't cost us anything. That doesn't cost us a trillion-dollar war. That doesn't cost us 4,000 casualties. Doesn't cost us anything to do the right thing. But th- but this is what we need to do. We need to identify what matters. Realistically, we're not asking to, God forbid, overturn the whole great society like Reagan wanted to. We're long that that ship has sailed. We're talking about achievable goals here. But yet, we're not going to get them if we don't ask for it. If we're just a bunch of losers and say. But I got to defend Trump. Uh, I don't want to say anything bad. The media's fault. Let's stand for something bigger than that. In order to do that, we got to keep the lights on. So I want you guys to, if you haven't done it now until now, sign up for CRTV with promo code Horowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z. Get 10 bucks off. That's $89 a year for everything. No commercials, no nothing. More content, that, more content that you know what to do with. Also support our friends at Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithcr.com, preparewithcr.com. Get 140 ready-made meals just for 99 bucks. It's always good to have a supply in your, in your home in case uh, we do go to hell in a handbasket in this country and have a financial collapse, security collapse. Why not have ready-made meals? And if we don't, well, they're good anyway. But until next time, if I don't hear from you, have a meaningful Memorial Day. God bless you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.